Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we come before you now, God, and, and this today is a spirit of expectation, God. We praise you because today represents a special day in the, in the history of the church and a special day in the history of Tunnel Hill as well. God, today is a day that, that, that you sent your spirit upon the apostles and those who are gathered together to, to begin the church age and to go and to send them out to make disciples of all nations. Lord, even today we saw that put into action as we baptize someone in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God, even as we continue that, as we teach to observe all that you have commanded. God, we lift up this time today. God, we ask that this be a time of worship, a time of preparation, and a time of aligning our hearts with yours. So that we will want what you want and that we will do that which is pleasing to you. God, as we gather together today, we are reminded uh, that we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, there are things that we have to experience. Lord, things like death. And so, God, we come before you now and we lift up the Braden family. Lord, we know that Miss Evelyn knew you, that she trusted in you, and that she saw your hand at work everywhere. And so, God, we have confidence that Miss Evelyn has gone on to be with you in glory and that she is healed and that she is whole and that she is made new. But, God, we lift up the Braden family. Lord, we lift up those in our church that, that loved Miss Evelyn, Lord, and we just pray for your comfort and your peace to be on that family and to be on us as well. God, we lift up Jarrett. Lord, because we live in a fallen world, we recognize that things can happen like we can get hurt and we can be injured. And God, we lift him up to you, God. We pray, we praise you as his surgery went well today, yesterday or on, on Friday. But God, we know that there's another surgery looming. Lord, we pray for your healing hand to be on him. Lord, that you would not only touch his body, but also his heart. Lord, that he would see you at work in all of this, that he would be surrounded by people who know you and love you. And God, that through all of this, not only may he be physically healed, but God, that he might be spiritually healed through all of this. God, we know that we still live in a fallen world because we see so much sin and so many people around us that desperately need you. And so, God, today as we try to, to go forth from here and make you known among this nation, among these neighborhoods, God, we pray that you will be working in the hearts of people that they will have the same response as those at Pentecost when they say, brothers, what must we do? And God, may the gospel be on each and every one of our lips as we go out. Lord, be with us today as we open up your word. God, open up our hearts and move our spirits for your kingdom and for your glory. And Lord, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, today is the day. We have been preaching, studying, praying, preparing for what we begin today. At 5.30 this evening, we are going out. By the way, children, you are released to Children's Church right now. 
Sorry, I'm just so excited about today. I forget that we have kids. Which is not good because three of them are mine. We'll give them a moment. Uh-oh, we're regressing. As I was saying, today is the day that we are going out. Today is the day that all the preparing, all the praying, all the videos, all of the, all of the, the sermons, everything is leading us to this day and the days that proceed from this day. Because tonight at 530 a group of us, and I pray that everyone in this room, because everyone in this room has a part to play, is going to go out with 2,000, which is about half of what, we, of what we're going to do, 2,000 gospel bags, bags filled with gospel tracts, DVDs, information about our church, ways to connect with people in our church, and, and, and watch videos from our church about what it means to know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We are going to load up those bags in our cars, in our sport utility vehicles, in our minivans, and we are going to go out into our community, into our neighborhoods, and we are going to prayer walk those neighborhoods. And as we pray after home, after home, after home, we are going to leave a bag behind, letting them know that we have prayed for them and that we would like them to know who Jesus is. As we do so, we are going to share Christ with people. Because we know that on a Sunday, in a beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon, there's going to be people outside mowing their yard, washing their car, playing with their kids, just enjoying the sun. And those people, those people are, are going to be coming in our path. And as we walk up to them, we're going to talk to them and we're going to share Christ with them. And we're going to, to, to encourage them along the way. As I mentioned in our prayer just a few moments ago, today could very well be a turning point in the history of this church. Do you realize that? Today could be a day that we mark down in the history of our church. Today could be the day where we start to take back the hearts and the minds of our community for Christ. And even though everywhere we hear about how the church is shrinking and the church is shrinking and fewer church members and, and, and fewer believers and fewer baptisms, today could be the day that all of that changes for Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. And you are invited to be a part of that change. You are indeed invited to be a part of history. Today could be a historical day in our church. But the reason we pick today as the day we launch it is because it is already a historical day in the church, the capital C church. Because today is the day that we celebrate Pentecost. In a sense, there are similarities between what we do today and what happened in the church those many thousand years ago. Because today could be a day that a movement of God begins. If you're not sure what happened at Pentecost, maybe this is a word that you don't use on the regular and so you're not as familiar with, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. 
And as we do so, we're going to look at what we can learn from the, from the day of Pentecost for what we aspire to do starting today. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. It says this, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, why are all these who are speaking, why aren't not all these who are speaking Galileans? And now is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Pergama, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. Please be seated. A couple things that we need to learn from this passage as we prepare our hearts and minds to go forth and, and to be a witness in our community. And the first thing that I think we need to learn from this passage, and indeed the most important thing that we probably need to lead, learn from this passage is this. We need the Holy Spirit. We need him. There is no question in my mind that we, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was so important that Jesus told them not to do anything go or go anywhere until he, Jesus, had sent them the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49 says this, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus told them flat out that I have a promise for you. You are going to receive something. You are going to receive power from on high. We know this to be the Holy Spirit. And he says, don't go anywhere or do anything until you receive that power. Brothers and sisters, that has not changed. Do you realize that? It doesn't matter how many programs we have. It doesn't matter how slick of a pastor we get. It doesn't matter how many lights are on the stage or microphones or how cool the background is or not is. It doesn't matter how much money we invest in it to it or how good everything is. We will accomplish nothing apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Even today, the Holy Spirit is needed to accomplish the work. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
And he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And so the first thing we have to recognize as we plan and as we prepare and as we go forth tonight, as we go forth in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to make sure that we are going in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that starts maybe with just a simple prayer. We go to the Lord and we say, Father, Jesus, you have given me your spirit that if, I, if you are in Christ, that spirit dwells inside of me. And God, I am handing myself over to him. And by the power of the spirit, let me go forth. Cover me so that your, your word may go forth. As Jesus himself said, we must beseech the Lord of the harvest to send his spirit to do the work inside of us. The second thing we can learn from this passage is that we need to speak out. We need to talk about things. Notice that as they are in the room and, and, and Pentecost begins, there's this great and violent rushing wind. And suddenly the whole place seems to be filled with that wind. And these tongues of fire appear out of, I guess, nowhere and begin to alight themselves on each single person. It must have been a frightening and amazing moment. And the moment that they received the Holy Spirit, they all began to speak and, and speak in these different languages so that people from all over the Roman Empire could hear as though they were hearing from their own language, from their own people. Now, this may sound impressive, but one of the things I think we should notice about this is he says, we are hearing the language that we were born into, that we, that we started with. He, I mean, it, God is not even limited by just what we can learn from a dictionary or from a, uh, a Rosetta Stone, but he was speaking to every single person there in the language and dialect that we grew up in. These flaming tongues spoke Appalachian Swiss, as Dave Markham says. Central Missouri, good old Kentucky, and every dialect in between. The Spirit came and gave them the ability to speak out so that the gospel message would be spread by the, by the Holy Spirit to everyone who would listen. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters, it may be possible for God to make himself known in many ways. And we have heard stories from missionaries and even people close to home about how God has, has moved them to want to seek him in, in dreams and, and through um, random acts of kindness and even a crumpled up pieces of paper found in a ditch. But God's first and primary method for expanding the kingdom of God is through the word delivered by his people. Think about that for just a second. I would venture that 99% of the people in this room became a Christian because somebody shared Christ with them. Somebody who cared about them. It could have been a pastor. It could have been a youth minister, a Sunday school teacher. It could have been a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa. But somebody in their life took the time to tell them who Jesus is. That is the means by which God has given the church to see the kingdom expand. Is that the people have 
to share it. Notice again the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. He's telling normal people, you will witness, you will testify, you will speak. You will be my witness both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. We know that being a witness requires using words. And whether that word, those words are print or those words are coming out of your mouth, we have to speak out so that people might know Christ. Again, this is where the spirit that dwells inside of us comes to play. Jesus telling his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, in the midst of persecution which they are going to face in just one, maybe two chapters forward in the book of Acts, he says this, when they hand you over, do not worry about what you are to say, for you will be given in that hour what you are to say. Some of you may be here today and you're saying, listen, I understand that we're getting ready to do something and I understand, preacher, that you're excited about it and I want to be excited about it too, but I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, I've got two pieces of good news from you, for you. One, the Bible says, don't worry about it. Whatever you say is what I want you to say. Which means if you fumble through the whole thing and you forget to do anything that you have been maybe taught to do or, or feel comfortable doing and you flub through the whole thing and you go, gosh, man, I messed that up. Don't worry about it. God gave you what you needed to say. Years ago, I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to get in trouble for it. Ready? Years ago, I used to work at Lifeway Christian Stores and I worked with Marsha. This is why you know I'm about to get in trouble. And one of the things we had to do at Lifeway Christian Stores is they had little items in the back of the register that were $5. And you, one of your goals was to suggest of sell those people to buy that extra $5 thing, either for themselves or for some charity or whatever it might be. And I am a salesman. Not really, I'm a pastor. But I come from a long line of salesmen. And so I can get pretty slick with the sales delivery. Why are you laughing? And so I would be up there and I'd check people out and I could be like, ha ha, that's good. Hey, for just $5, you could do it. And I could put on my radio voice and it was just like you were watching an infomercial at, at, at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. And I'd make, and I'd make, and I'd make my sales. And Marsha, by the time we worked together, she was pretty new. And Marsha was still learning the ropes. And Marsha would go up and she'd go, she'd check them out. And she'd go, uh, um, um, we've got things that are $5 and they, you can do something with them. And she was learning it and, and she would do that. And people would go, absolutely, come, go ahead and put it on there. And Marsha would sell more $5 items than I did, even though I thought I was Mr. Slick Rick. 
And it was amazing. And a lot of times, and just to let you know, those were like Bibles going to prison ministry and, 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 and uh, campus ministries and, and, and uh, Mission Hope for Kids. And, and I can't even tell you how many young people and prisoners and all sorts of people all over Hardin County and even Kentucky got a Bible in their hands because of Marsha. And not because she had the slickest sales thing, but because God used the words she had to further the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what you're going to say. But say something. The second good news is that when you come, I'll have something for you to say. And it doesn't, again, have to look slick at all. And even if you walk up to someone's house and you go, hello, my name is, insert name here, Josh, my name's Josh and go on, you'll have something to say. And you don't need to worry about it. We need to be prepared to tell people about Jesus, but more importantly, we just need to be willing to tell people about Jesus. Amen? Third thing we need to learn from this passage is that we need to burst forth. We need to go and tell people about Jesus. What good are power and words if we just stay in this room? We look back at our passage, we recognize that that says that they were together in one place and that they were in a, a room together, that the room was filled up where they were staying. We're reminded in this passage that, that they started in, in a safe place. Much like we probably would read in John chapter 20 when it says, So when it was evening on the first day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, that Jesus came and stood in their midst. I have no doubt that that's exactly where the disciples were get again right now, that they were in a room together, door locked, hiding for their lives, worried about what was going to happen. They were in a safe place. Much like we are in this church, we come into church and this is our safe place. We can talk about God, talk about Jesus, sing our songs, listen to our sermons, open our Bibles, and we feel safe being here. But after being filled with the Spirit, they burst forth. They left the room, they left their safety, and they began proclaiming the gospel to the crowd in the public square. Notice this great rushing violent wind was such a, an ordeal and such a, a moment in Jerusalem that everybody was leaving their houses. We kind of see that today. I'm from the great state of Missouri. And in the great state of Missouri, when there's a tornado siren, we all go into the front yard. Which is, by the way, not the point of a tornado siren. I have to remind my wife sometimes that she is setting an example for our children as the sirens are going off and the sky is turning green. And she's in the front yard going... And that's kind of what happened on this day in Pentecost. People heard this violent wind. They heard the rushing. They heard this crazy commotion. And everybody from all over that were there to celebrate come out into the streets to say, what's going on? And, and then they start congregating and they say, do you know what's going on? No, I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? No, I don't want to know what's going on. Well, let's go figure out what's going on together. And they start to assemble. And then suddenly, boom, the door flies open. 
and anywhere from 11 plus people fill out into the square, into the streets, and begin to proclaim what God has done. But they're not just proclaiming it in Aramaic, and they're not just proclaiming it with their Galilean accents and their Jewish accents. They're saying it in, in all of these different languages and all of these different dialects, and everybody who's there is going, what is going on? And they could tell by their clothes and their hair and whatever and who they were that they were Galileans, and they shouldn't be speaking Latin or Arabic, or Sumerian, or who knows what. And yet they are, and they can understand them, and understand them perfectly, and they are excited, and they, are, they are, are, are jubilant, and they have just blown up out of the room, out of nowhere. And so there, in the middle of the public square, the good news of the gospel was being proclaimed. Brothers and sisters, this is a reminder to us today that we cannot buy into the notion that our faith can only be expressed in private. We cannot ever buy into the idea that our faith is something for the church building or our homes alone. But we have been called by God to take our faith into the public square and onto our streets, and into our neighborhoods, and, and even into our workplaces. And that we are called to tell of the mighty things of God. On the contrary, this message is made for both the religious center, where we are today, and the community at large. One of my favorite verses in the book of Acts that speaks to this is Acts seventeen seventeen, and I do quote it often. And it says, but he, this was Paul, was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. See, Paul understood that, that, yeah, we should come together and we should go to the religious places and we should talk about God and share Christ and, 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 and worship and proclaim the good news. But we should also go where people are. The reality is not a lot of lost people in churches. There's not. There are some. I have no doubt. You may be with us today and you haven't given your life to Christ. And maybe you're here for a friend. Maybe you're here for a spouse. Maybe you are here under duress. And I hope you're listening. But on any given Sunday, there's not a lot of lost people in church. But you know what? Right now as we speak, there's a lot of lost people at Walmart. There's a lot of lost people at Freeman Lake. There's a lot of lost people at Target. And when you leave here and you go to a restaurant or you enjoy the rest of your day, which hopefully will bring you back here this evening... And we start walking our neighborhoods or maybe your neighborhoods. There's a lot of lost people there too. And so if lost people are going to hear about Jesus, it's not going to be in the church. It's going to be in the street. It's going to be in the restaurant. It's going to be in the grocery store. It's going to be at the park. Not only this, but also... We cannot settle for the strategy that they should come to us. Acts 16, starting in verse 9, it says this. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. 
And a man from Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice the, notice the call of this vision. Come over and help us. God is not calling Tunnel Hill to have really great programs and a really nice building and really great music in hopes that people will come to us. God is calling us to go to them. And it is time for Tunnel Hill to burst forth from these walls and these classrooms and this parking lot and to share Jesus with our neighbors who desperately need them. The last thing we can learn from this passage is the need for a response. Notice the last few verses of this passage. I want to read verses 12 and 13 to you again. In verse 12 and 13, it says this. It says, And they, were all, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? While others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. There's a few ways that the people responded to what was happening on Pentecost. And I'm going to tell you guys, that's how they're going to respond today and in the weeks to come. It says, first, they were amazed. Some were amazed. Some were perplexed. And some mocked. As we go forth with the message of Christ, as we deliver these bags and share Christ with people, we are going to see, see very, very similar things. Some will be amazed. I want you to think about this for a second. Did you know that you could be the answer to God's, to, to a prayer to God by someone? Think about this for a second. If you show up tonight at 5.30 and you begin to take those bags and go around and hang those and pray over homes and hang them on doorknobs and you run into somebody and you take a moment to talk to them, you may very well be the answer to their prayers and you didn't even know it. something like that, you're going to walk up to this person and as you're handing out the bags and you see that person and you're going to walk up and you're going to say, hey, good afternoon. I'm Josh and I'm from Tunnel Hill and we're from Tunnel Hill Baptist Church and we're going through the neighborhood and we are praying for all the homes in our neighborhood. And I just wanted to know real quick, is there a, somehow I could pray for you? And they may say, yes, Absolutely. And they may share what's been going on in their life and in their world. And you're going to say, and you're going to say, okay, you're going to like, absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, before we pray, can I talk with you a little bit about what it means to have a relationship with God? And God has already been there. And you didn't even know it. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, yes. And you're going to say, listen. All you need to know about having a relationship with God was found in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that verse tells us first that God loves us. And I don't know what you're going through and you've told me a little bit about it, but I want you to know that even as you're going through stuff, God loves you and he cares about you and he wants a relationship with you. In fact, he wants a relationship with you so much that he gave his only son. 
and that son is Jesus, and Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose from the grave three days later so that you could have a relationship with God. And the last thing you need to know is it says, so that whosoever believes in him, and that that opportunity to be saved from your sin and to have a relationship with God is open to you if you will believe in Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. And we're going to say, can I ask you a question? Is there anything stopping you from making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today? And imagine for just a moment if they say, no. And you get to pray with that person to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Some were amazed. And there may be someone that God has already set up a divine appointment with you and that you are the answer to their prayer and you are the, the one that God is sending to show them what is missing in their heart and in their life. And they will be amazed at the goodness of God that you showed up in their driveway. Some will be perplexed. The truth of the matter is, for some of us, we may just plant the seed. And it may just open up the opportunity for a gospel conversation just a little bit further down the road by this church or a friend or a family member. You may go up to that someone else and say, hey, my name is Josh. You're going to notice the theme here in a second. And I'm from Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. And we're going around the neighborhood and we're praying for our, our neighborhood. And is there some way I can pray for you today? And they may say yes, or they may say, no, I'm good. Or they may say, well, world peace. And you'll say, absolutely. Hey, can I share with you just a little bit about what it means to have a relationship with God? And they may go, uh, maybe. And you say, well, let me tell you first off that everything you need to know is in John three sixteen that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And they say, hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. But I'm right in the middle of changing the brakes out on my truck and, and I, I need to kind of focus on this. Um, can, can, we, can we do this another time? And you'll say, absolutely. Let me t- I'll tell you what, I'm gonna leave this bag. And this bag has information about making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And it has information about our church. So if you want to talk to somebody, you can just look in this bag and it has everything you need. I'm gonna leave this right here. Can I, pray, can I finish praying with you? And you pray with them and you, and you get on the road. And yeah, you may not have even got an opportunity to invite them to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior. Or maybe you get all the way through. And when you say, what is prevent, is there anything preventing you from making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And they'll say, uh, I just got a lot of questions. I just don't know. Um, I'm just not sure that, you know, I'm not ready to make any decisions right now. You go, hey, that's totally okay. I'm going to leave this bag for you. And I want you to look through it. And if you have any questions, it has information about how to get a hold of our church. And, we're, and we just want you to know when you have those questions, we want to we have that conversation with you and you'll be able to get a hold of us through this bag. Here you go. Let me pray with you. But yes, some will mock. Please understand that if we deliver 3,900 bags to homes throughout our community, someone is not going to be happy about it. 
Understand that. If we go out and we deliver almost 4,000 bags, it is highly likely that one or a lot of ones will be very unhappy to see that bag or to see that, to see us. But know this, these are the people we need to pray for. These are the people that are far from God and that we can still hope that as we leave that bag, that maybe on the right day at the right time, they might be open to hear the good news of the gospel. I'm reminded of a quote I've said a lot recently that says this, everybody is open to the gospel some of the time. And some are open to the gospel right now. We are going to get, encounter people that are not open to, up to the gospel tonight. But we leave that bag and we pray over their home in hopes that in the day that they are they have everything they need to hear the good news and to be saved from their sins. That may look like this. Hi, my name is Josh Luton. I'm from Tunnel Hill Baptist Church and we're out praying through um, our neighborhood and, and we wanted to know how we could pray for you. I don't believe that stuff and I'm not interested. Sorry, okay, sir, sorry to bother you. Hey, I'm just gonna leave this bag right here and if you, ever, if you ever want to know anything about our church or about having a relationship with God, you have that bag and you can, you can keep it or do with it what you want. Have a great day. We'll be praying for you and you leave. We're not going to pick fights. We're not getting into an apologetic debate. We're giving them what they need. We're planting the seed so that they might just have an opportunity to hear the gospel at some point. I want to leave you with one more passage of scripture to remind you of the need that we have to do what we're talking about. And in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13, it reads this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? How will they hear? without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed our report. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. On the day of Pentecost, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent his disciples into the world. And on this Pentecost, God is sending us. The question is, will you go? If you would like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you have heard the gospel in the midst of this conversation. That there is a God who loves you. That he sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins. And that that Jesus rose from the grave three days later so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you are with us today and you need that everlasting life, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him as Lord. We invite you to do that today. 
And I'll be standing up here, but you most certainly don't need to come up front because there are people all throughout this room that would love to share with you and pray with you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Our gracious God and King, we come before you now, God, in in a spirit of anticipation. Because, God, we know that tonight we go forth. God, I pray first and foremost that your spirit will be heavy upon us that you will burden us with the loss of our community, that we will go forth. And whether we just hang it on a doorknob, whether we have a conversation that goes great or goes sour, God, we pray that we will faithfully and excitedly share all the good things that you have done. Lord, we pray that you would rise up an army in this church to go and to share Christ with people today and in the weeks to come. God, that we would blow even ourselves away and how wonderful this message is received and how fast it goes forth. God, if there is anybody in this room today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray today is the day that they believe and that they pray and they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And God, in all these things, that your name would be glorified and your kingdom might be expanded. God, we ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.